Welcome to the Emmaus Fellowship Teaching Podcast. We trust you find this encouraging. Emmaus Fellowship is located at 205 North Pine Street in Woodland Park, Colorado. Our phone number is 719-687-6061. We trust you find this encouraging as you pour over God's Word with us. Gave me a voice and a song Taught me how to sing Um, I do want to actually have you turn to James 1. As you know, I've started something new this year. I started actually preaching from one book of the Bible and moving through it. Um, we'll see how long it takes us. And James, um, if you didn't hear my intro to James, um, go on to the, uh, the Facebook Live feed from two weeks ago. And I talked about the, the introduction of James and then the first few verses of James. And I'm going to start with uh, James 1.5 here. And I'd like to just read it to you and then we'll move from there. So if anyone longs to be wise, let me pause right there. Anyone long to be wise? All right. That's a lot of us. Ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures because he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. I love that passion version of it. Um, And the translation actually would read, he will overwhelm you with his open hand. And so I love this passage. It's been one that I've looked to for many, many years in my life since I was a teenager uh, when I heard about Solomon and the one thing that he asked for was wisdom and how well it went for him in so many ways. I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go with wisdom. Um, But I've learned some things about wisdom over the years. Um, I used to think that it was just trying to outsmart your opponent, you know, (laughs) like chess. But uh, there's much, much more to that. In fact, I'll tell you a story This is going back some years here at this fellowship, and for those of you who may not know, I've been here a while. I was here as a kid in high school in the 80s, like I moved here in 1980, and then um, I left, Tiffany and I got married, and uh, we we started going to a different church down in the Springs, and then we moved to Pennsylvania and then south of Kansas City. It took us 10 years to get back, but I came back in 1996 specifically to come and work with this fellowship. And I've been here for that length of time. So we're moving into our 26th year here. Um, And we've seen some ups and downs here at this fellowship. We've weathered some storms. We've seen some real triumphant uh, seasons. um, And and all of it has been beautiful, beautifully hard, beautifully, you know, expanding us and maturing us. And, And so I remember one... Uh, this is going back maybe about 10 years. I remember I had a, a meeting with the, the board of directors here, and, uh, and we were staring at our bank account here at the church, and we figured out that after we pay all of our bills for that week, uh, we had $600 in our account. And uh, we were praying, 
And one of the things that we had learned to do was to exercise this verse. We were asking God for wisdom. And we did that in a collective. And so we engage in what we've termed listening prayer, uh, but basically it's like, let's just spend some time listening. Let's put on a worship song, let's just pause in silence, and let's just begin to write down what comes to us. And then we'll share our notes together and we'll just see what the Lord might be saying to us collectively. And so that was the approach that we took. And um, at the end of that meeting, what we decided to do was cash out that $600 in $20 bills and bring it next Sunday morning to church. And before we let everybody go, we gave everybody the $600 and said, go give it away. Do whatever you want. Just give it away. Um, what we also heard was don't ask for money. We're like, okay, we'll give it away. And so that, that week we did that. And, um, and so um, let, me just, let me just tell you that from a, from a human standpoint, that's not very wise. I mean, but from a God standpoint, that was an awesome investment. Wasn't it, Duncan? Awesome investment. This week, I'm going to go ahead, since we have transparency anyway with this fellowship, this week, we have $46,000 in the bank. Now, bring it, Lord. We want more because we want to build things and we want to do things and we want God to really like use this fellowship. We want to be a gift to the city. And all I'm saying in this is like God knows what's best for us and he can give us wisdom. And we can argue with it every day of the week sometimes because it doesn't always make sense. And so I, I think there's something key about this. Um, does this mean that the next time or if we run short of money in the future that we're going to give it all away? Uh, I don't think it means that. I think what we do is we ask for wisdom. And we trust God to speak his thoughts to us specifically about that situation. What did Nick say last week? Listen, respond, repeat. <laughs> right? And so at the end of the day, what is wisdom? I really believe it's fairly simple. It's the thoughts of God. And I think that Psalm 139.17 is really clear that the thoughts of God are precious. In fact, David, David would say, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast are the sum of them. How can we know the thoughts of God? This is the big question. I mean, Isaiah 55, 9, God declares, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so there is this chasm between like the thoughts of God and the thoughts of man. And there is a, an expanse, and there is a bridge. And that's the good news about James, because it's very clear to us that if we ask God for his thoughts, he will give it to us, and he will not keep a record of our wrongs. In other words, he's not going to hold it against us. How many of you have ever played this mental gymnastics? It's like spiritual gymnastics, really. Like, if you think that you do enough good things, then God's going to bless you with something, like his thoughts. He's like, no, that equation, that transactional equation is not part of it. 
It's because God now us, like because God is willing to speak, because God is willing to reveal his thoughts to us, now we get to respond. It's not the opposite. It's not like we have to jump through all the right hoops in order to hear God speak. God is speaking. And so I want to ask, some of you women were in the Bible study this year, um, this last year, called Spiritual Intelligence. Can you, can someone describe this phrase, third heaven solutions to first heaven problems. Anybody remember talking about this in that Bible study? Somebody want to give a stab at what that means? Just speak it out. Go ahead, somebody. Don't be shy, Melanie. <laughs> somebody. Okay. So we live on the earth, and so the atmosphere that we live in, the Bible would refer to that as like first heaven, or like Paul says, I went to second heaven, or third heaven, or he went to third heaven. But there's an atmosphere like in the celestial, and then there's this realm of God's kingdom that would be referred to by Paul as third heaven. And that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And so we have access to third heaven solutions to our first heaven problems. So we live on the earth and we actually have problems. So it's not like a denial of issues. It's not like we're burying our heads in the sand. We actually want to be wise on how we navigate the challenges that we face on earth. And so for us to access um, God's thoughts, I think there's a a way for us to do that. And I think that there's a, a, a... an invitation in James to do that on a regular basis. And so one of the ways that um, God, as our shepherd, uh, leads us is, um, you know, when it talks about his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, one of the ways of God is that he leads us not only to green pastures and still waters, but the paths of righteousness also lead us through valleys of the shadow of death. And this is the part where it's really easy for us to start to argue with him because we don't see the wisdom in that, right? We don't understand that, that there's something for us in this. In fact, the first part of James is saying, hey, when you, can, when you face various trials, consider it all joy because there's something at work there for you. And I want to kind of press into that a little bit. It may seem like a sidebar for some of us to talk about going through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. You know, the shepherds of the day, when, when Jesus walked the earth, or when David was a shepherd, because these paths of righteousness are still established to this day in, in, in Israel um, and in that land, because the shepherds had like a community fields. They didn't own and fence off their property like we do in the West. And so these shepherds would go and they would follow certain paths. And, and so these were actually known to this day. They're known as paths of righteousness. It's interesting to me. Uh, and so the shepherd is leading us not only to green pastures and to still waters, but he's also leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's reflective of facing trials. It's reflective of having challenges in our life. It's reflective of trying to find wisdom. I mean, when do we cry out for wisdom? Right? It's when, it's when we're dumbfounded or we're pressed up against the ropes, you know? It's like we really need wisdom. So I want to just kind of back up to this now. I'm going to pause We're going to move into a different space. I'm going to back up into this concept. What is our first introduction to death in the scripture? It's in Genesis, right? In fact, God is saying, don't eat from this tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit of that or you will surely die, right? And it's associated with eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Now, bear with me here as I kind of go into this. I want to talk about good. What is it? We just sang of the goodness of God. I want to talk about the goodness of God. I want to talk about what is good. So the word good in the Hebrew is tov, and it means something that is excellent, prosperous, full of wellness. And really what it boils down to is something fulfilling its Full potential. When something fulfills its full potential, it's good. And what is evil in this reference of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Evil is the word raw, and evil is resistance or hindrance to the fulfillment of full potential. Now, we think in our black and white Western mindset that it's either good or evil, but there's actually kind of a continuum. And so anything that is hindering or trying to block full potential is referred to as evil, all right? And so I want to take a a little stab at something here. So let's look at Genesis 1, verse 11 and 12, because God is creating the earth, and everything that he is creating, he is calling what? Good. And the first day is light, and then the night and the dark, and separating. The, and then the third day, this is where we're at in the third day. Now, I actually wrote down the reference, but I never actually copied and pasted those verses right here. And I don't have a Bible with me. So would someone please read Genesis 1.11? Yeah, and the last phrase, and it was so. It's important. So God created all of the plants that had seed, and in those seeds was full potential, and it was so. Now, would you please read Genesis 1.12? So the first time this is described, God said that it was so. In other words, he established it. And the second pass at this, it produced the fruit, it produced of its own kind, and it was good. 
It was tov. The difference here is this. What does it take for something to move from being established to fulfilling its full potential? It is so. It's established. It has to go through a process, and it's good. Jesus knew this when he said in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone or so. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful, or shall we say good, harvest of new lives. And now we understand that Jesus is referring to his future death. And let's take a minute to look at this. Because Jesus is saying, look, there's something that's going to be required of me in order for goodness to be produced. In order for my full potential to be realized. There's something that needs to happen. And so when Jesus begins to explain this to his disciples and this is found in Matthew 16, 21 through 23. He says this, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he began to explain that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And Peter's response to this was, he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have your mind set on the concerns of God, but merely on human concerns. So we see in this that Peter's mind is set on human thoughts and not on third heaven realities, and thoughts. Peter is not exercising the wisdom of God. He does not see it from God's perspective. He is limited in his view, and he is stepping between Jesus and his full potential, and that is, according to Ra, what? Evil. How many of us, with our good intentions have tried to block either ourselves or the ones that we love from moving into the hard things of death. God bless us. We, we mean well, you know, and we, and we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and we see in part, right? But this is all like a challenge for us. And so we need wisdom even and especially in the hard things. We need God's perspective, and so Peter, I mean, what's he doing here? He's still leading from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's still trying to assess it on his own. The problem with this is that he's not equipped to rightly discern, right? He has a, he has a human mindset. He has his mind set on the thoughts of man and not on the thoughts of God. It's interesting to me that Jesus is rebuking Peter because of his thoughts, and so this, again, is just pointing us right back to James 1, where it's like, yes, we need to grow in wisdom. And, and so here we are. We know, of course, that 
as disciples of Jesus, we too are going to enter into death. I mean, what does it say here as Jesus continues on in verse 24 of uh, Matthew 16? He says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. You will enter your full potential, and it will go from you being established to you being moving in the goodness of God and in your full potential when you allow yourself to go through that process. Yeah? That's the wisdom of God and it befuddles us because it's like foolishness to our minds because we have a survival instinct for crying out loud. And that's the challenge for us. I mean, that's the bind because God created us with that survival instinct too, right? And so we understand then that we have to move our mindset from only merely thinking as human beings, mind, our minds set on the things of man, and move it into that communion with the thoughts of God. And I think that's where, yeah, we're going to find some encouragement here. So who can know God's thoughts? And how is wisdom available to us? I'd like to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians 2.13. No, yeah, 1 Corinthians 2.11. And I actually did write this one down on my notes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2.13. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities in Spirit-taught words. So you're getting this, the communion with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is the bridge, the only bridge. And so let's push into that just a little bit. I'm going to ask you to back up into 1 Corinthians 1 30. Verse 30. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. It is because of him, this is God, who chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That's in verse 27. It is because of him that you are in. Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So Jesus is wisdom from God. He is our wisdom. And so this communion that we have with Jesus, it, it really does come back to that. And it's something that we can cultivate. And it's something that we can grow more attuned to what he's saying to us through his word through our times of meditation on scripture and our times of prayer and our times of just simply receiving the grace that's available for us from God. So this is really a beautiful invitation, isn't it? We are not left to our own devices. But friends, I have to be honest with you. Sometimes we listen to the spirit of the world. And, um, and in that, it can be kind of packaged in 
like a wrapping that is Christian, but it's still cultural driven or it's politically driven or it's um, you know worldly driven in a way that is very much like Peter kind of stepping in between God's full potential and you know and and I think that we have to really ask the Lord to help us set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Because if we're not careful, we will be highly influenced by things that seem right to us because the things that are right um, from God's perspective can, can appear foolish to us. Um, what would be an example of that? Oh. I heard about a, the largest Christian university in America their mission statement is to build champions for Christ. That sounds good. That's a great package. But the underlying message there is that um, people who go to that college are going to be on the winning team. Not the losers. But Jesus is saying, look, from the world's perspective, the things I call you into, you may actually not only appear to be a loser, but you may actually lose something. Like your life, your reputation, your pride, your ego. What would it mean for us as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, to delineate from the thoughts of the world in all of its packages and really set our minds in communion with the Spirit of Christ to live in His ways? They are higher than our ways. I think this is really important. Uh, Paul goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16. I'm going to read this out of the message. You're welcome to follow along, but I'm going to read this from the message version because I like how it reads. It says, The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. There's no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by the Spirit. God's Spirit and our spirits in open communion. Spiritually, spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's Spirit is doing. Whoa. Can I say that again? Spiritually alive we can access everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who, know God's, who knows God's Spirit? Anyone who knows what he is doing? There has been an answer. It says this, Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit. 
So we have the mind of Christ. We have direct access by life in the Spirit. This is the good news. This is such good news. And you know where it comes from? It comes from the seed falling to the ground and even dying. You know? That's what we entered into when we said yes to Jesus. That's what Christianity is all about. We have died to ourselves, and we have been raised anew in Christ. Our lives are not our own. We've been crucified with him. It's Christ who lives in us, and it's in him that we live and breathe and have our very being. And so as Christ's disciples, I encourage you, I even challenge you, delineate yourself from the thoughts of the world. Delineate yourself from the spirit of the world or the spirits of the world that may package themselves in light. But it is Christ and him alone that brings wisdom to us. And so if anyone lacks wisdom, let's ask. And God, who does not keep a record of wrong, will give it to us liberally. Full measure, open hand, generous. We have direct access. So I'll end with this one story because I needed wisdom. I had a friend, emphasis on had, because we had a broken relationship. I had done something or something had happened and it was a mystery to me. I have no, at this point in my relationship with this man, I had no idea what I had done or no idea what circumstances transpired around us. I was clueless. And, um, and 10 years went by. And it was a, a relationship that went from like full of life and light and fun and engagement and partnership and ministry and shared adventures together and meals together and our children loved each other to not speaking for 10 years. get the gravity of it, right? And you know, I'm kind of like into relationships, and so this was like puzzling to me, and it was also a heartache for me, and I didn't really know how to move forward in it. And to his credit, his courage, he initiated contact. And I said, yes, let's get together. And so we kind of tried to pick up right where we left off, and so what we decided to do was go on an adventure together. And we did this little 36-hour adventure where we put our backpacks on and we hiked up to this beautiful lake right below Treeline up in the mountains. And we're sitting there at our, our, our evening campfire and my friend um, starts to speak of our friendship and the break in our friendship. Now, you need to know something. I have been praying for wisdom I had been asking Jesus, can you please give me insight? Because I am clueless. And I felt like I got something from the Lord that seemed a little bit silly to me, but I went with it. And, um, and my friend was just like, look, I'm so sorry that it's been 10 years that we haven't spoken. So he started with this humble posture. And I said, can I stop you there? 
I'm the one who needs to apologize. If I could go back, this is what the, I felt like the Lord had shared with me to say. I was asking for wisdom. I felt like this is what the Lord told me to say. And it was a risk for me because I had no idea if this was going to hit the spot or what. I was just like, if I could go back in time, I never would have put rocks in your backpack. Now, you need to know that I had done that. And it was kind of a joke. It was like kind of a little initiation. We're headed downhill. We're almost to our car. We're at a break. And I, 10 years ago, I snuck a few big rocks in his backpack while he was off going to the bathroom. And I thought that was kind of cheeky, you know. And I said, if I could go back, I never would have put rocks in your backpack. I didn't even know if that was it. He burst into tears. He goes, it shouldn't have been a big deal. I said, it was a big deal. The other wisdom that the Lord had given me was, it was less about me pulling a practical joke on this guy and more about a betrayal of trust. Because what he was looking for in me was someone who was going to lighten his burdens, not add to them. And what I did in the natural represented something much larger that predated me even in his story, right? We don't know. So we're clueless. And so we need the wisdom of God. I gained a friend. To this day, he's my friend. Love this man. And we talk often. And so I just offer this because, you know, it's one of those deals where that may have been like, it, it seemed kind of silly to me. And I thought it was going to be something a lot more profound and like I had really said something or done something, but honestly, that was what it was. And the Lord knew that. And so I was able to get a glimpse from God's perspective on the bigger story Speak into it. And so I just offer that to you. Like, if you have a break in relationship, explore what it would look like if you were going to bring repair to that relationship to start a sentence with words like, I'm sorry. And also start by acknowledging that if you, and this is an interesting concept. I found it to work multiple times in my life in the last few years. If I could go back I would have done this, I would not have done this. And you might think that that's kind of like an exercise in just like um, rethinking it. But honestly, there's repair that happens. If I could go back, try it with your kids. If I could go back into yesterday, when I did that one thing, if I could go back, I wouldn't have done that. What I would have done is this, this, and this. You watch how the repair happens. It's really fascinating to me. So anyway... Just a little, that's a freebie. You can have that one. Um, so here's the point, right? What's the point? The point is that, um, that the kind of wisdom that's required of you and I is to come in low, to die to self, to ego, to pride. The central theme of the gospel of Jesus is that God establishes us and it is so, and then he allows us to endure difficulties and go through seasons where we're ushered through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet, he is there, and we will fear no evil. 
He's there. The potential of our lives is given a chance to bloom from that place, right? What joy. So we can take James 1 to heart, consider it all joy, brothers, when you encounter various trials. His power at work within us and through us and through our situations, he will give us the opportunity to experience this transformative power of his resurrection life. So let's let resurrection surprise us. It surprised me that night at the campfire. Oh my gosh, it surprised me. It surprised me after we all gave $600 to everybody. The resurrection that came from that was amazing. So that's what I have to share this morning. I sure appreciate you guys just focusing in. And I just wanna, I just wanna pray for you. I just wanna bless you. So would you stand with me as we close? We'll join together in this prayer. Jesus, we need your wisdom. And we thank you for the access that you've given to us um, towards the thoughts of God through your Holy Spirit. And I want to ask, Lord, that you would bless each person here this week and throughout their life, God, with quick access to your presence, quick access to your voice, speaking to them through the scripture, through meditation, quick access to the wisdom of God. And God, as we move through uh, our lives and our circumstances and we are asking for miracles for you to take us out of places or bring the power of your resurrection into places, Lord, we just wanna trust you that you are leading us and you're walking with us. And we do not have to fear evil. Evil does not have the power to hinder full potential your full potential on this earth, your full potential in our lives. But God, we have to be wise that we're not partnering with evil in some subtle way. Lord, the spirit of this world, the spirit of the age, God, it's, um, I'm just not that good at chess. I can't outmaneuver it. So I need your wisdom, and I need your thoughts. And so, God, I pray that you would bless each person here with more of your thoughts. Speak, God. Reveal yourself and give us all your wisdom, we pray. In your name, Christ, amen. Amen. It's our joy to offer these podcasts. We sure hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, any prayer requests, feel free to drop us a line at Fellowship at iCloud.com. If you're curious about ways you can be more deeply involved in this community, visit our website at EmmausFellowship.org and be sure to like our Facebook page.